0: Hey everyone, before we get into our season one finale, aka our coverage of Superman and the Moleman, I just wanted to give a quick postscript to our last discussion on the episode Crime Wave. So as you might recall, I talked in that episode about how when I first watched Crime Wave a few years ago, I had a very distinct memory of narration at the beginning of the episode that established that Perry White had been the mayor of Metropolis in the past. And I've referenced this numerous times throughout our season one coverage. So imagine my surprise and bewilderment when I rewatched Crime Wave in advance of our last podcast, and that information was nowhere to be found. And I was starting to drive myself crazy. So I have to give a special shout out to one of our listeners, Rick, the ever delightful Rick Reason on Twitter who helped me come to the conclusion, long story short, that there are actually two different versions of Crime Wave floating around out there. And for as much as Adventures of Superman has been covered in so many places, and there's a ton of trivia about the show, I have not come across anything specifically related to this. If it's out there, I missed it, I apologize. Please let me know if this is something that has been acknowledged or documented in some way. To me, it was new. It was news. So what I realized, again, is that there are two different versions. There's the DVD version, and then there's the version of Crime Wave that is available digitally on platforms like Amazon and Vudu. It's the version I first watched a few years ago on the old DC app back when it used to have video content. Now it's only a comics reader, but if folks remember when it launched, it had video content, including Adventures of Superman. And I do believe it's also the version that airs in syndication. So I think most people are watching the version with the narration and all of that. But on the DVD, that cut is different. And the, the biggest difference comes in those opening minutes. So the we'll call it the digital version is longer, includes substantially more clips and stock footage, And has narration that is totally missing from the DVD cut. And that narration just gives more information and more context for what is going on in the city of Metropolis, the nature and extent of this crime wave. So it conveys the same basic idea that the DVD cut does with its clips and stock footage and newspaper headlines. But again, between the use of additional clips and the narration in the digital version, you get a clearer picture of exactly what's going on in Metropolis. And included in all of this, over clips of Perry and Lois and Clark in the Daily Planet office, we get this bit of information that Perry had been the mayor of Metropolis. So, mystery solved. So for anyone who watched the digital version and... I didn't know how I could have possibly missed that <laughs> in my rewatch. That's why the version that I was watching on the DVD didn't have it. So again, thank you to Rick for helping me to sort this out. I ended up going to Amazon and I bought the Crime Wave episode for a couple of bucks and I watched it and really that opening is, is the most substantial difference. The digital version also has more stock footage, I believe, according to IMDb trivia from a Democratic National Convention, so there are these vast crowd shots that really give you uh, a sense of where the people of the city of Metropolis are uh, in the midst of all of this. And if memory serves, I don't think that's in the DVD version that I watched. But in any event, really, it's that opening that sets the two cuts apart. So, anyway, there you have it. With that being said, let us now get into our discussion of Superman and the Mole Men, aka the Unknown People, parts one and two. Enjoy. Seven decades ago, the first television adaptation of Superman arrived. Now, it's time to rocket back to the 1952-1958 series Adventures of Superman starring George Reeves. In this rewatch podcast, my guests and I break down each episode from its black and white crime drama beginnings to the kid-friendly color seasons as we celebrate one of the most underrated Man of Steel depictions of all time. Welcome to another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the theatrical feature, Superman and the Mole Men, aka the Unknown People, parts one and two, is Voices from Krypton author, Ed Gross. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be
1: back here. It really is.
0: I'm very happy to have you here. You've been on my other show, Digging for Kryptonite. It's your first time here on another exciting episode. And we got you in... Just just under the wire, this is the end of our season one coverage. We did it. We made it. We're at the end of season one. It's been quite a ride. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate all of the guests who have joined us for our season one coverage. It's really been a blast to compare notes with everyone. And everyone's come in with sort of a different level of experience with Adventures of Superman and a different knowledge level. But all all fans of the show and all fans of Superman, and it's been great to have these conversations. And I also want to thank the audience. Thank you to everyone, whether you listen to all of these or you just kind of popped in and out, whatever the case may be. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And especially those folks. I know there are at least a few who have been watching along with us and commenting and, and asking questions. And it's really been wonderful. So I, I thank the audience very much. If you've enjoyed the show and if you haven't done so already, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Aside from Feeding my ego, it does help make the show more attractive. I don't know how much bearing it really has in terms of the algorithm and all that business. I've gone back and forth on that over the years. It still remains a little bit nebulous to me. But if nothing else, I think it helps make the show more attractive when new people come to it and they can see what other people think about it. So if you're willing to take a minute to rate the show on Apple Podcasts and write just a few words, uh, if you've been enjoying the show, I would really appreciate it. And yes, we will be back for season two in 2024. So we are going to take a significant break. I don't know when during 2024 we'll return, but stay tuned. Make sure you are subscribed via your audio podcast platform of choice. I don't know if the video versions will continue. To be honest, at this point, we will probably move away from the video component and focus on the audio only. So do make sure you are subscribed via one of the major audio podcast platforms and stay tuned for our coverage of season two in 2024. It's coming. All right, (laughs) until then, uh, we have the end of our season one coverage here. So Superman and the Mole Men, the theatrical feature that was later re-edited into season one, episodes 25 and 26, aka The Unknown People, parts one and two. I talked about this in a prior episode, and it was a little bit of an internal debate that I had at the beginning of this podcast. Do I start my coverage, my podcast coverage, with Superman and the Mole Men? It was filmed first, and it ran theatrically before the show ever ever aired on television yet the way i first experienced it was watching the season one dvds and of course it's placed at the end of season one as as the two-parter so in the end i thought it would be effective to do it this way since that's how i experienced it and i feel like this gives us a nice sort of full circle uh conclusion here at the end of season one that was the rationale behind it makes sense sense. (laughs) so look a lot to unpack, as always, but especially in this instance. But listen, let me toss it to you first and start, as I always like to, with the personal side of all of this. So what is your your history with Adventures of Superman? What, what memories do you have of watching? When did you first encounter it? Anything you'd, you'd like to share I think would be great. I've never seen the show. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, The
1: reruns of The Adventures of Superman in about 1965 was my introduction to Superman. I mean, it was, uh, I couldn't tell you what episode it was. I just remember I fell in love with the show. Uh, And I specifically remember The Unknown People. I mean, that was was a big one for me. I really loved that episode way back then uh, when I first saw it. And I, I mean I re- I was so obsessed with the show. I remember there's one time Superman on Earth the first episode of the show was on and I had something in my eye that I couldn't get out. So this whole episode I'm listening to this show play and I am like practically crying trying to get whatever's in my eye out of my eye so I could watch the show but you know between sobs I guess I heard it uh, but I fell in love with George Leaves, or George George leaves George Reeves as Superman. Uh, I also found out, I think I may have told you the story and the other thing, my father had a comic book called the history of dogs. And then I discovered that Superman had comic books, fell in love with both of those things at about the same time, and then discovered these comics of Superman and everything grew from there. But George Reeves was like throughout the sixties and seventies. It was only when Christopher Reeve came along that I finally, you know, I suddenly said, Oh George, you're going to have to take a little bit of a vacation. Uh, I got to focus on this guy right now, but my affection in watching these episodes again proved to me that my love for this never went away that show and and George Reeves playing superman so
0: that's great and look i know i know there are true diehard fans of adventures of superman for whom george reeves is the only superman and that's totally cool and i respect that yeah. i think you and i are similarly aligned and we've had various conversations about sort of being open to different interpretations and you know we for, go with the s we go with the s yeah we, do you, do we, I, we go am, with the s You i speaking to that for for a minute because i think that's i sure. think that's such a beautiful sentiment and again i recognize for people listening to this not everyone will share this right for some it's whatever cements in your mind as the superman that's sort of it and, and that's fine but right. i i love i love your following the s bit
1: well it's because i f- did fall in love with Uh, George Reeves as Superman and that was my first exposure to Superman and then they did The New Adventures of Superman on Saturday mornings and I was six when that show debuted and fell in love with that as well and from that moment on especially when you go out and you're going to use a used comic shop we used to go to on Flatbush Avenue in Brooklyn uh, called My Friend's Bookstore, Bookshop and we'd get back issues and I'd build up this collection of all the comics that had the S on it whether it was action Superman, World's Finest, whatever it may be and then, you know, Super Friends, I didn't enjoy the show, but I was happy Superman was there. Uh, Christopher Reeve comes along, and I loved it. And then guess what? I just continued going with it because, for me, it's about the character. It's, it's the similar situation I have to James Bond, where I grew up with Sean Connery, but unless I want my adventures with James Bond to end in 1971 with Diamonds Are Forever for Bond... It would be the same thing with Superman. Do I shut down after George Reeves reruns? I, I, you know, I just stick with those for the rest of my life. Or do I go to the point where I'm watching my adventures with Superman now and eagerly looking forward to Superman legacy next year? Loved Henry Cavill, not all the material, but I loved Henry Cavill as Superman. I just go with it. I mean, Pee Wee Herman, God bless your soul. God rest your soul rather. Uh, You want to cast Pee Wee Herman as Superman? Go ahead. I'm still going to go see it. Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's what the character stands for, and, and I just have to go with it wherever it goes. I could not live, live, that's a little dramatic, but I could not go stay home from a movie playing in a theater with Superman in it and not see it. Super Pets, I was there. You know, I just had to go.
0: No, that's a beautiful sentiment, and, and I identify with that as well. I've talked a lot. Here, but mostly on on my other show, Digging for Kryptonite, about how formative Smallville was for me, and how in my mind, sure. when I think of the character, I Tom Welling is the incarnation that I think of first. But I, I love them all in different ways, and I, I think one yeah. of the things that's really been, especially over the course of doing all of these podcasts and and going through all of this material in so much in depth and detail, and having these conversations and like really working with the material, you know, you really see how each especially on the actor side, you know, each actor brings something different and there's a different pocket of the character to explore and they, they all have their space that they occupy and, and bring value to the mythology. So all that being said, of course, we're here talking George Reeves. One other question I wanted to ask you. So I mentioned in, in your intro, you were the author of Voices from Krypton the unofficial oral history of Superman, available now yeah. uh, wherever books are sold. I, I I was fortunate enough to be one of your interviewees. Yeah, for people watching on YouTube, you just held it up. Uh, I was so honored that you you, you interviewed me and, and included quotes from me in the book. On one of the pages, I'm quoted right underneath Brandon Routh. It was very surreal. I've been very proud of that. Everyone yeah. who comes over, I'm like, look, look, look. So <laughs> I definitely, I encourage everyone to check out the book. What I was curious about is, to to and I know this is kind of a big picture question, and I know probably all of this is such a blur. You spend so much time working on the book, but but whatever whatever may or may not come to mind, like how mm. often did adventures of Superman or George Reeves come up in your conversations with folks? especially, I mean, obviously, it's one thing if you ask them, but I'm curious how many times if at all, like people brought it up like how how you know how how large did it loom uh, in the conversations that you had? It, it was fairly large. I mean,
1: you know, you say the, the general question you ask everybody is, you "Know who's your Superman?" Right? And you know, I don't, I don't give my host spiel about the S. I just want to know what who their favorite is, and most people will say Christopher Reeve. That is the majority, but they'll say they grew up on George Reeves and loved George Reeves as Superman. What, what shocked me the most, though, in in especially working on that section regarding the Adventures of or Adventures of Superman. Was the fact that so many people that love that show specifically, they love that show. It's not that they even love Superman that much. They love George Reeves as Superman. And that surprised me because it was like, well, yeah, but what do you think of the character? Well, I don't really think of the character outside of Adventures of Superman. I'm like, that just boggled my mind. I couldn't believe it. But it was so heartfelt by so many of the people that talked about that show. They love it.
0: Yes, I, I mentioned this a little bit in in our last episode, but uh, I've I've definitely gotten more of a sense of of what the what the adventures of Superman fandom is like since I started this podcast. And yes, people are very passionate; they are very interested in the in the behind the scenes, in the production schedule, in the in the trivia associated with the show. There's there's an in, intense level of interest about that. Uh, and what you bring up is is interesting. I don't know that I've encountered this so much, but it, what you're saying does ring true that, yeah, there does definitely seem to be a, a contingent who, yeah, they're fans of this show, right? Not necessarily the larger mythology and other incarnations, right. but it's this show. This podcast has probably not really spoken to them because what I, what I like to do in this is look at this show in and of itself, but also in relation to the larger Superman mythology, because that's what's interesting for me, right? And I'm exploring all these other facets of the character on the other show. And then, it, again, for me, it's been wildly fascinating to look at all these things and see, uh, you know, where we've seen echoes of these stories and, in, in, uh, you know, in, right. in other eras and things like that. So for me, that's it's been endlessly interesting to do. But yeah, I know not, not, not all <laughs> Adventures of Superman fans... Well, you know, might be looking for that, and I, I recognize it. But so it's interesting to hear that. I was curious uh, what, what, again, what kind of sentiment was expressed in the in that the really surprised me, though.
1: I mean, that really was surprising because, like I said, I'm so used to my thought process of it's Superman, that's what matters. It's Superman, but no, it wasn't even that. It was Superman. It was that it was him, this actor making. And so many people said he, and I mean I don't get this quite that he felt like a surrogate father to them. A number of people said that to me, that the character, somehow the character came across as a surrogate father. And when he was winking at the camera, he was winking at them, saying, we're on a secret here. We know the secret. Nobody else does. So it was this connection that they felt with George Reeves that as much as I feel a connection with Superman, the character, I never looked at, you know, Christopher Reeve and sat there and said, well, Chris is talking to me. You know what I mean? It was... It's I don't know, but it was very interesting. I'm not putting it down. It just surprised me how many people felt that way.
0: Oh, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. Well, that's the thing you do hear so much about kids, an entire generation of kids who grew up on the show. And so I think especially if you're watching this at the right age and, and, you know, regardless of your home life, well, you know, positive or not, but I I guess especially, you know, and I'm not saying the people who, you know, you talk to were necessarily in this camp, but maybe they were, but especially if maybe, you you know, you didn't have that kind of, of role model in your life And Superman's there. And when now you really got me thinking because yeah, I mean, George Reeves, he was in his late 30s, I believe 37, I think, when he started this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So not which is I'll be 37 next year. Not it's not that old, but it's and it's getting younger every day, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But but I still feel like I'm 19, so that'll forever be in my head. But that's why. I. <laughs> I get it. I get that. I know. It is such a weird thing. I like. It's, I don't it's not like I feel like, oh, I'm like 12 or 13, but it's like, I don't know, 19 or 20. That's kind of how I've, once I hit that, that's sort of what I've always felt I, I am.
1: I don't think I've ever lost my sort of youthful enthusiasm for this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you know, for many years, I always wear Superman t-shirts. It's not happening right now. Right now, it's Godzilla for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, but... So often I've worn them and when I was younger, I used to think, oh, I wonder if people are thinking I'm such a dork because I'm I'm wearing this, right? Now I wear them and it's like, I think I'm a dork. Who gives a damn at my age? I mean, who cares? It's like I am who I am and I don't care. So Yeah, uh, anyway. no, I think following all
0: of this stuff and talking about all of this w- well into our adult years, I think it's a wonderful thing and uh, yeah. it helps preserve that youthful spirit. But no, I do Absolutely. think about that. The fact that, again, especially if you have a whole generation of kids and 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 look certainly again we've talked about this a lot this first season was you know far darker and grittier than the later seasons would be and it really yeah. was more of this noirish crime drama uh and not really not really meant for kids but obviously you had a lot of kids watching it and families and, and all of that so i think if you have little kids watching this and and a slightly older superman certainly older than the actress who will be cast in the decades to come uh yeah i don't know i i definitely could see kids looking to him in that in that sense like for again for me it's always been I know I always go back to the Smallville example but what was and you've heard this from me multiple times already but for me like one of the things that grabbed me so much about that show is I was a freshman in high school Clark was a freshman in high school so right I wasn't looking at him in the in a paternal sense or even like a brother and like I was just seeing myself uh in the character yeah. but yeah everyone has a different experience that's really really very interesting to hear that I yeah it's I guess I'm not yeah I'm not shocked that that's sort of you know what? What you came across in those interviews—very interesting.
1: It's interesting too because if you find a character that you that you really like, that you can identify with. Now, this is totally going off the Superman tangent for one second, or road for one second, but like the Rocky movies, for instance. I know you are a fan of the Rocky movies, right? When Rocky One came out, I was sixteen, and it was all about going the distance in life and 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 forcing yourself, no matter how impossible it seems, to push forward. You get to Rocky Balboa. I am forty six when that comes out. And I get the message of it's not over. It way, right? what does he say? It's not about how hard you get hit uh, life, you, you know, hit life how hard you get hit and keep on going. That's an important message. So it's like that with the Superman thing, but for me, Rocky was like that. It's like I got those bookended messages that came at those significant moments of my life. And it's so interesting when pop culture characters can hit you like that, as Superman hit these people on the George Reeves show.
0: Yeah. You know. Yes. I am a massive Rocky fan. I could do that whole Rocky speech from Rocky Balboa, but I won't. So ba- good. <laughs> Balboa is actually, it may be a hot take, but that is actually my favorite movie of the franchise. I love the original. I love, mm-hmm. look, one through four, There, there's five, we, you know, it's a different category, but one Everybody through Everybody says that, five, <laughs> but, forget you know, five. But look, one through four, there's a lot of fun to be had in all of those movies and the original, obviously all time classic, but yeah, Rocky Balboa. Even though I was, you know, much younger than the character when I was in college when that came out, but there was something about it. And again, that right. that notion of it's not about how hard you how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can get hit, and it's never too late. Like, it really resonated. You keep
1: moving forward. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you just keep
0: moving forward no matter what. So it's just, yeah. Anyway, I, mean, I know
1: people are like, "What the hell's this got to do with Superman?" But you know, <laughs>
0: whatever. <laughs> I think, look, this is an important part of all of it, so I'm glad we're spending the time on it. But yes, we will segue back to Superman and the Mole Men, a.k.a. the Unknown People, Parts 1 and 2. We'll talk a little bit about the production of this in a second, but let me give my synopsis here. Lois and Clark arrive in Silsby, Texas to report on the world's deepest oil well, only to find the operation being mysteriously shut down, when two small beings with large heads and furry hands, a.k.a. the titular Mole Men, or Unknown People emerge from the earth below, their appearance frightens the townspeople and a violent mob forms led by Luke Benson and his hounds with Superman standing between them and the beings from below. Uh, so that's our, our synopsis for this. I guess before we get to the production piece, you know, big big picture, What what is your overall impression of this and and how, if it all, has it changed from the first time that you originally encountered it?
1: It's actually... One of my favorite Adventures of Superman storylines. I like it. uh, Part of the appeal for me, and I, I didn't know this at the time, you know, I'm a big Star Trek fan as well, right? When William Shatner appeared in the second pilot for Star Trek, where no man has gone before, his first scene, you watch him, he smiles at Spock, and it's nailed. He's Captain Kirk in that moment, and it never wavers from that first moment we see him on screen. When George Reeves appears as Superman in Superman and the Mole Men, he nails it. He is Superman. I mean, it it just blows me away how he could step in, you know, because before that we'd had Kirk Allen in the serials, Ray Middleton at the World's Fair. <laughs> but, uh, but he just came in and he looked the part, he acted the part, and he brought the presence that Superman needed to bring. And... I was just blown away by it. And I love, I always loved like the, you know, I said, I was a Star Trek fan. I always love the allegory stories, you know, the ones that are really trying to comment on something. And Superman and the mole does that. I mean, it's all about the red scare and everything else of that era, but it's done in this sci-fi story and really a true sci-fi story. Yes. The show did do more of those, but this one really is sci-fi. And and it works. Yeah, it's for kids, and you can be there. You know, what's Lois's line at the end? Kind of dopey, right? And like, I guess they're saying, you live your life and we'll live ours. And, and it's like, yeah, all right, you know, whatever. Uh, so it's a little heavy handed, but it nails that character just beautifully. And the relationship with, uh, with Clark and Lois and, and Superman and Lois. When she sees Superman for the first time, her face just lights up, but she goes, Superman, you know, and she's just. It's just it it projects what it needs to project for a first, in, you know, for an introduction of the character under this actor's aegis,
0: you know, I, I agree with all of that. But it's funny on the note of Lois, she's she's right on board there with the mob right up until Superman shows. Oh, up, yeah. Right. She's not really picking up what Clark is putting down about, hey, we have to take a beat. Calm down, everyone. Right. We have to be careful. I'll handle this. No, nah, she wants nothing to do with that. As soon as Superman shows up, it's like, oh, we have to protect these beings from below. Sorry. Yeah, she's two faced now that you mention it. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't love that about her in this. Yeah. I felt
1: like, <laughs> come on, well, now. she was also. Let's face it, she was also kind of wenchy to Clark a lot of the times. Like he's always doing that. He's he's been the toughest guy in the story so far, <laughs> <laughs> next to Superman. What are you talking about?
0: Yes, but no, I echo everything you said about the presence. And again, look, we we spent a few minutes talking about how how definitive this informative this depiction of Superman was for so many people who grew up watching it. And I think even just looking at Superman in the Mole Men as an encapsulation of of what George Reeves could do as Superman, he brought so much to it. And presence is the absolute perfect word. Uh, I've said this multiple times. And again, I, I don't always mean to beat up on poor Kirk Allen, but you I've having recently watched those serials you it's just it's right there on the screen it's the sort of thing it's not something you can write it's not something you can direct it's like it's just when the two of them are standing there in their costumes it's just one of them feels like a dude in a costume and one of them feels like Superman and it's Reeves as Superman and it's just that presence
1: well that's the thing and it's like I'm jumping way ahead has nothing to do with George Reeves but in Christopher Reeve right I may have mentioned this to you once before when we've spoken. My favorite scene of all really is the Superman 2 scene where he catches the elevator that's falling with Lois underneath it. And he just looks at her and and looks and goes, I believe this is your floor and (laughs) smiles. And that's the presence. That's embodying who Superman is the way that Reeves does in Superman in the moment. And to me, that just blows me away. It's like, how does an actor just nail it like that? And he does.
0: Yeah. And no, there is a very, very strong message here. And I think in terms of what both Clark and Superman say and do uh, in this story, it really tells you, I think, everything you need to know about Superman and is a very aspirational take. And I think was was great to show to, to an audience and especially an audience of kids, but kind of how this came to be. So I'm sure we, we, at least touched on this when we did our discussion of the first episode that aired uh, Superman on Earth um, when we began our season one coverage. But we'll circle back to this idea that as the Superman radio program was coming to an end, DC wanted to explore, exploit the character in this new medium of television. So they tapped Bob Maxwell, the producer of the radio show, to develop a television series and so, and if any of this doesn't line up with your understanding, please jump in and correct me, Ed. Um, yeah. But uh, no worries, all good, all good. So they, so they, they shot, they produced these 26, mm-hmm. or Superman and the Mole Men, an hour long theatrical feature that they would then use to sell the entire season, which included that and then the remaining 24 episodes. And they filmed all of these in the summer and fall of 1951, starting with Superman and the Mole Men uh, in July 1951. And then it hit theaters uh, that fall, I believe, November 1951. And again, was was meant to sell the series. Uh, but of course, it took a while to find Kellogg's as the sponsor. And then even once Kellogg's came on board, they wanted certain aspects of episodes changed to make them a little bit more family friendly. And so it wasn't until fall of 1952 when the show actually started airing on television. And it's a little bit nebulous as far as Again, I think the intention always was to take this hour-long Superman in the moment theatrical feature and re-edit it into a two-parter for the main series. Uh, But it's a little nebulous to me, at least the research that I did about when it actually aired as episodes. not until 61. That's the thing. Because you look on IMDb and it has August 10th, 1953 listed, but that's not... That's not right. Yeah, that's not right. I I didn't think so. uh, so My understanding
1: is because of the actor's contract. Look, everything... Mm -hmm. Was about money, right? Although I'm, I want to do. I want to address that because there's something positive to say about everything being about money. Uh, But they would have to have paid the actors more money because it was theatrically released, so it had to wait until a certain point where that part of the contract lapsed. Then it could become part of the series. But until 1961, it was not seen on television. It was just Superman in the moment, you know, as a thing. Uh, I don't know if I should go off on the slight thing about, but. What I find so, you know, D.C. uh, National could take a lot of stuff between all that stuff with Siegel and Schuster and all that stuff that went down between the two of them and them. And without a corporation behind them, without a Warner Brothers behind them, they nonetheless financed this movie and these 24 half hour shows, not knowing they would ever get on the air. That shows, and a lot of things they did up until this point is, they were all about nurturing Superman. They were all about making sure that this character was presented in the best light possible. Whether it was the radio show, the animated shorts, you know, the Fleischer animated shorts, even the serial to some degree. I mean, you know, again, that has its issues. When it came to this show, what a leap of faith for a company that wasn't this multi-billion dollar company that it is now.
0: No, that's a phenomenal point when i When I first started delving into Adventures of Superman a few years ago now, I was I was floored by that because it, yeah. it's so it, 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 you know it's it's one thing to have just done Superman in the moment or to have just on a pilot and then you try to sell that, right? but to to fully produce an entire season of television, hoping that you'll find a sponsor and getting it on the air is is really something. And Superman in the moment does have quite the distinction. It is the first theatrical feature film featuring Superman, yeah. right of course. He had been on the big screen in the Fleischer uh, animated theatrical shorts and then sure. like we've been talking about the live action Kirk Allen movie serials, but those were serials, not a feature. Uh right. so this has has a distinction. I mean it's when you talk about overlooked entries in the in the Superman world, you know, whenever you see rankings of movies and things like that, I r- rarely do I see this even really pop oh, sure. up, but it's but it you know it it, it is part of it. It's part people of people don't
1: think of it as a movie; they think of it as the unknown people. That's yes. that's the thing. They don't think of it as Superman in the moment, this movie that was released. You know, yes, uh, I think that's the difference. And DC also, oh, National rather was. I mean, they were hoping the movie would recoup some of the costs. That was part of it too. Not only selling the series, but to recoup some of the costs by having a theatrical release. Oh, that makes sense. Was, uh, yeah, so I don't know how much they recouped, but you
0: know, that was the intent. So. And it was written by. Richard Fielding, a.k.a. Bob Maxwell and Whitney Ellsworth. That was their, yeah, exactly. uh, their their pen name, which in a previous episode, Richard Fielding had been listed. I, I didn't clock what that was really all about, but now I, I realize, and directed by Lee, Lee Sholem. So yeah. I guess a couple of things. Now, you and I both watched in preparation for this or rewatched both the theatrical feature version and the two-part television version, right? Right. Yeah, which was very Absolutely. kind of you. I, I just so the audience knows, I didn't, I didn't force Ed to do that. I was like, you just, just pick one. But I appreciate that you, you don't pull to do guns those. on
1: people and make them do anything, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's so funny though. I went to the season one disc of Adventures of Superman, saw Superman in the Moment, put on the Unknown People Part One. There was no sound. I couldn't believe it. I had to go buy it for $1.99 ninety nine on Amazon.
0: <laughs>
1: don't worry, I'm not going to ask for a refund. But you know, <laughs> but I couldn't believe it. But yes, I, I, I checked out both basically. pretty close. I mean,
0: yes. Yeah. That's the thing. There certainly are, are distinctions and we'll talk about them, but, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think I'm almost positive. This is the first time I had ever watched the theatrical version. I I think previously I had only ever seen the two-part television version. So I wanted to see that. And, you know, of a lot of these episodes, I do watch twice anyway, in advance of recording. So this was a way to do that but have it you know mix it up a little bit where it's, it's mostly the same but a little bit different and that gave me something to look for uh as I was rewatching. Do you think this makes a better Superman movie? This story makes a better Superman movie or a better two-part episode?
1: i prefer to I mean now granted now we can watch it one after the other so it's like watching it as a movie. I like the movie version. I like Superman in the moment. I also liked like, there's that one wonderful tracking shot where Superman flies over the mob, mm-hmm. right? In the original version, it's got some generic music playing, which is fine. But this one, it's like, dun-da-dun, dun-da-dun, you know, as he's swooshing over them now, it's like the dramatic TV version, whereas the movie was a little more subtle. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think my preference is just to watch it as one one movie,
0: yeah. Gotcha. I, I don't know. I think for me, I probably lean the other way. I think that... Again, they're, they're not vastly different, but there were certain cuts made for the TV version. And, and I feel like they they tightened it up a bit. I mean, they had to for, hmm. for, for, for the time constraints that they had. But sure. I feel like picking up the pace a little bit served the story well. And hmm. also too, it might be, and as far as just, even just again, having the, the television show intro and having the music that we're so familiar Where with. Where is that? But that, I think that might be a function too of the fact that I've just watched 24 of these, right? So I mean, I'm in that mode and I think maybe yeah. more. That's kind of what I what I was looking for. But yeah, I mean, there's certainly value in both. But you know, going back to what you were saying before this, this was the thing that I kept thinking as I was watching this. That it's a great story, but when you compare it to the rest of season one of Adventures of Superman, it it is it is such an outlier, right? It it's oh, not. It, it's, nothing connected to it. Yeah, like it's not a representation, and that's the thing where we talk about oh, you know, to to kind of help sell the show, but it's like. It's so different than the rest of the ep. there's no yeah. metropolis, there's no perry, there's no jimmy but and and I think most of all to your to your earlier point, it really is this sci fi story with these subterranean beings who come right. up from below. You look at the rest of season one and like we said before, there are all these they're, they're crime dramas right they're gangsters and bad guys the most outlandish man
1: on earth is is the one where you get sci-fi with krypton yep. exploding right and that's it but yeah
0: that's it i mean i feel like beyond that the most outlandish you get is the mind machine where you know it's it's you know a little 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 you have to suspend your disbelief right that this device can reach across distances and reprogram people's yeah. minds but even that it's like okay there's at least a basis uh, sure. in, 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 science, you can kind of go along with it. Oh, this is sci-fi.
1: I mean, this is, there's no question. This is sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, and solid sci-fi for the time, I think. Yeah.
0: But no, yeah. I mean, I, but that's the thing I just kept coming back to. It's like, that was a, it was a bold choice. It was a bold strategy. Yeah. I feel like to pick something that really is not so much, I mean, in terms of, I mean, on the other hand, I'll say this as a representation of how we're going to depict Lois Lane, Clark Kent, and Superman, how we're going to bring Superman to life and visualize his powers on screen and all that. In that sense, I think, yes, it really conveys what, what we're going to see in the show. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I mean, do you think it was a good choice to, to, to have this as the, as the movie? I've always,
1: I mean, when it was part of the series, I didn't notice the difference. You know what I mean? Because I was watching reruns, right? And I was only five or six. So whenever it was, I was watching these. So I didn't notice. When I watch it, I, I like I said, I prefer the movie version anyway. And I think part of that is because I do, I, I do view it as a movie. Uh, even though it's a 57-minute movie, it's a short movie. Uh, but I view it as a movie rather than necessarily two episodes of the TV series, even though that's ca- the common way to watch it. That's why I think I prefer it that way, though, because it is its own thing in a lot of ways. Uh, mm-hmm. When you compare it to the show, it's just yeah, it's like worlds apart from each other. It's it's just uh, yeah, I just I do I, I I think it works on its own terms basically, and it works as part of the series, but it's it is very different. And I'm rambling now, so I'll shut up.
0: No, then. no, no, you no, that's a <laughs> great point. No, I. I think I'm going to swing back around. I know I said I, pervert, I preferred the TV version, but no, I think I think you made kind of the best argument for for viewing this really as a movie because, yeah, again, it, it does feel a little bit out of place as two episodes of season one of the show, but I think looking yeah. at it more in its own space as that movie, uh, just to kind of set it apart a little bit more, I think that's a more appropriate place for it. So no. It's
1: almost easy to go from the movie to the series- than from the series in general to this sci-fi story at the end of the season really because it doesn't fit with the rest of the season but you could easily go from uh that and you know yes if it works better it's like what it reminded you of is because it is so different from the show i don't know if there's a good comparison or not is i get all these great indiana jones movies and what does george lucas do he makes the young indiana jones chronicles and you watch it and you're like where's indiana jones that's not what i saw on the big screen Kind of reminds me of that. It's like, here's the sci-fi Superman and you get to the show. It's like, wait a minute, where is that guy? But it works, obviously. But,
0: yeah, it works. But no, I think you're probably right. And I, I think maybe starting with, uh, with with Superman and the Mole Men, yeah, maybe probably would be an easier an easier transition as opposed to watching 24 you know, regular, regular season one episodes. Crime
1: dramas that become the sci-fi story, right?
0: Yeah. Again, you know, it was interesting too, again, just in terms of, them, them choosing to start with this, they don't. They don't do the origin, right? They do give you that little that little narration at the beginning, right, of the of the right. of the movie. Uh, sort of uh, sort of a proto version of what we would get on on the television series. It's not as it's not as dynamic or polished as we'll oh, as we'll no, get on the, the show. And the
1: theme is just like a regular sci fi movie theme rather than the Superman theme.
0: Yeah. So that 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 little uh, or you know the prologue explaining his origin. That's obviously uh, specific to the movie uh when it was re-edited as episodes of the television show of course it used the score from the show so the music was different and again other than that there were there were definitely cuts here and there i think the the sequence where the mob is chasing one of the one of the beings i think that got that got trimmed a bit for the television version yeah there were at least a couple of other things um there was a scene early on when corrigan who's the what are you, foreman of the of the mine or the head yeah that's I think that's a good description of the, him, yeah. the, the man on the ground and then he's talking with one of the other guys pop Shannon and the, there was a longer there was an exchange between the two of them uh before Lois and Clark show up that was in the in the theatrical version that was that was not there yeah
1: because they said hey there's a there's a car coming this way or a dot coming this way and then he was still talking while the car took a while to get there. in this version the TV version they're there yeah, I right. mean there's a there's a car you know a dot coming and all of a sudden the car is pulling up so,
0: I think too, there was, and it's funny now, my memory is betraying me. And I'm like, am I just imagining some of these differences? But I feel like in the movie version, too, a little bit later on, there was a longer discussion among Superman, Lois, Corrigan, and Craig, the PR guy, about how you can't report on the story. This will cause mass panic. We have to keep this contained. And right. I don't think that's in the TV version.
1: That's a good point. You know what? The problem of watching them back to back is it blends <laughs> together. So it's a little tough for me anyway to, to separate it. But yeah, there was that whole talk about it. and what will we get if we report if you report this? You're gonna get headlines, you're gonna get people screaming and, and panic and the military or whatever the heck he said. Uh, yeah, it would explode basically. The news would explode.
0: Were there any yeah. other differences that you clocked? boy that's
1: that's tough I should have been better prepared for this to tell you the truth but it's going I right. watched them back to back and it is kind of blending together so I've let you down Anthony no you
0: haven't it's quite all right. I think <laughs> okay. just from just from reading trivia I think one of the things they said was cut for the TV show was references to the to the beings as, as aliens but I don't feel like there was a ton of that in the movie unless I'm just... no
1: Molemen, not as aliens yeah. but as Molemen. they referred to them as Molemen in the movie but not in the series okay do they say it I a think.
0: lot? A couple of times, not a lot, but
1: a couple of times, I think my memory of, you know. So,
0: yeah. So again, they're, they're not vastly different. I mean, if there are other, you know, other alterations that we're we're missing, feel free to let us know. But, um, but, but yeah, those were sort of the, the, the big picture differences between the two. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, typically what we do with these episodes, we'll, we'll kind of do a scene by scene. We can jump around a little bit more. I don't feel like we need to adhere so strictly to this, uh, so we can see where the conversation takes us. We'll also do just a quick guest star rundown. So a couple of familiar faces here. So we had Stanley Andrews as the sheriff, uh, and he was just in, for for us covering it on the podcast, he was just in the Ghost Wolf episode. He was the foreman at the Timber Company. Uh, So we just saw him very recently towards the end of season one. (laughs) Jay Farrell McDonald as Pop Shannon, he's he's the first one we see succumb to a a heart attack and die from fright upon seeing the the the, the mole men uh he i recognized him from it's a wonderful
1: life yes you're crazy drunk fool you ran over my tree
0: (laughs) oh i was so happy to see him He was just enjoying his oranges here but yeah i always think of him as the as the curmudgeon who's who's upset with george bailey for driving into his tree yeah absolutely. oh i was so happy to see that and i'm glad you were right there with me on that Uh, I didn't
1: even realize it till today watching it. I was like, "Oh my God, it's you know uh,
0: George Bailey killed his tree." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The voice. It was the voice. Instantly, I was like, "Ah, that's the guy." Yeah, I love it. So good. And then we had Walter Reed as Corrigan. He'll come back in season six of uh, of Adventures of Superman as another character, obviously. Uh, Jeff Corey as Luke Benson and Ray Walker as Craig, the PR guy. Those are our, our, our main guest stars on the guest star front. Is there anything else, anyone else you recognized or any, anything, these people that you, that you know, these other people from or anything of note that you Not really, I
1: mean, honestly, a lot of day players basically that I didn't really stick out with me. I mean, obviously Jeff Corey is, is, has been around forever and, uh, no pop. Uh, the actor already. I forgot his name. Uh, but no, outside of that, I didn't really look at anybody and sit there and go, oh, I know this one from this. You know, it wasn't like that. It was, I think I was more focused on, oh, I love, you know, Phyllis Coates as Lois Lane. She's like one of my favorites. Oh, this is George Dreams of Superman. You know, so I was a little focused on that, I guess. But uh, it was fun watching.
0: So. You know, man, and it's appropriate. I oh, like the end of season one. You and I have talked about this off mic, but I know you and I are both big fans of Phyllis Coates as Lois Lane. Yeah. I have to tell you now, this is our 25th episode. In every instance where it's come up in conversation with a guest, <laughs> everyone who has expressed an opinion has expressed a preference for Phyllis Coates as Lois Lane yeah, on this great. podcast. She's great. She nails it. I mean, she
1: brings that no-nonsense approach to, you know, the other Lois, Noel Niels Lois. is She's a nice lady, but I don't really hit her as this hard-hitting reporter, whereas Phyllis Coates, I do. And she'll call Superman or Clark, not Superman, but she'll call Clark out on his crap, basically. And I don't see Noel Neal really doing that.
0: Uh, I know. It's funny because obviously this was the first thing filmed, but it's the last thing that we're watching here. Uh, so this is our, our last time with Phyllis Coates as Lois. And it's very bittersweet. And I, it's not a knock against Noel Neal. But yeah, I'm a little, I think it'll, I don't know, it, it might take a minute to kind of adjust to that as we get into season two. Well, what's interesting, though, is I
1: forget who said it, like, in an interview for the book, uh, but the idea was that Phyllis would have had a harder time adapting to the lighter approach taken with the show, whereas Noel probably could have done the more serious one, but Phyllis definitely could not; would not have been able to handle the lighter approach to uh, the show as it went on,
0: you know, that's probably God, fair. I, That's probably fair. That's also another aspect I'm not super excited for as we move forward. It, it's
1: You know what? It changes, and I know why they had to change it, but they took it to such an extreme as the show goes on. And obviously, this is a whole tangent, but uh, the show gets so silly in a lot of ways. as it, The more it goes on, the, the criminals become worse. The, the stories become weaker. I mean, you get some gems in there. Don't get me wrong. But overall, it just, to me, it just doesn't have the strength uh, that these are the first season and part of the second season did too, but especially the first season had. So
0: when we get there, this is my promise to myself and the audience, I'm just gonna have fun with the silly episodes. Sure. I'm not gonna sure. look, famous last words up. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> right. Let's see how long that lasts. Right. Good. But
0: you know what it is? Because I think we all recognize what they are. And so I don't I don't know how how worthwhile it will be to come on and try to pick them apart and all and
1: that. Five seasons worth of shows? I don't think so. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like that get boring and tiresome after a while. So yeah. Just go with the flow.
0: So man. I think we'll just have we'll just have fun with those episodes. We'll recognize they're a different kind of Superman show. We'll look for those gems. We'll look for those scenes that call to mind the greatness of of what this can be we'll continue to enjoy the performance of George Reeves and we'll we'll just have fun with it when the time comes so that's that's the plan we'll see what happens when when we ultimately get there i got us while we're talking Phyllis Coates and those yeah i mean she's so tough as always and mixes it up i mean she she hits luke benson when, oh yeah when they have that later standoff outside the hospital uh, you
1: coward you filthy coward and she hits him <laughs> yeah it's great yeah
0: yeah great. yeah no it's it's absolutely fantastic and the uh you know the one other thing that I, I did want to talk about I mean we could talk about it more specifically when we get into the, the the actual scenes, but i one of the things that I thought actually worked better here than in a lot of the rest of the first season was when Clark ducks away and Lois makes her remarks about him. I yeah. felt like it that lent itself well to this general view that that she and other characters seem to have of Clark. It's still difficult to reconcile as, as, we always talk about, right? Cause Clark is so tough and he's so capable and he's so kind. He's not a
1: coward at all in this, in he, this stuff. That's the problem. He's not playing that cowardice aspect of the character
0: at all. Very, very much so. Uh, and like I've talked about in other episodes, there are so many times where there are characters lowest, most of all, but sometimes Perry as well. They'll kind of put Clark down yet. He's always the first one that they call for. So it's like, which, which one is it? Yeah. All that being said, what I appreciated here was again there were a couple of instances when Clark tries to get the mob to stand down, and they're not hearing it, and then they all go off when they hear the scream right uh, of of the mother in the house, and Clark runs away. Right, one instance there, and then again outside the hospital when Clark has to leave so he can, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, change into Superman, and Lois has that line where she's like, "He's scared to death. It's pitiful." Right. And it's a great line. But I just like, okay, so you do see these moments where to the outside observer or to Lois in particular, in this case, it's like it it looks like he's running away. It looks like things didn't break the way he wanted them to. Right. Right. And things are about to get more dangerous. And he's ducking out like that's what it looks like. So those couple of scenes went a long way towards like, okay. when we see all these other instances where they're making these remarks about him and things like that, it's still tough because his, his Kent is so tough. But. I I can I can get on board with it a little bit more. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It just is uh,
1: hard to reconcile certain aspects of it, though, because of the fact he does have he is there standing up front speaking what should be spoken. Even I mean, Superman does it more. But as Clark Clark is definitely speaking the right words, showing that he's got strength, whereas a lot of people are afraid to stand up to Benson and that kind of thing. So, you know, I just but I understand what you're saying. It does. Look, it, it that's the relationship one way or the other. Whether he comes across as tough or not, the Lois Clark relationship at the, in that era, especially uh, before it got romantic, was, uh, you know, was that you coward? All right. <laughs> oh, Superman, how are you? You know, like.
0: exactly. Uh, let's take a quick commercial break, and then when we return, we'll get into our scene by scene breakdown. We'll be right back. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and under new ownership since 2020, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany, New Jersey the next time you're in the Garden State, and be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Filmmakers and movie fans alike should be sure to attend these film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. On a personal note, my short film, By Spoon, The J. Mizell Story, played at these fests, so I know firsthand what fun and well-run events they are. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, Listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Now in its 40th year, this multiple-time Eisner Award nominee features a significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection. As the Acme team uses their collective knowledge and resources, to connect you with the best material. Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the AcmeCast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. And we're back. All right, so this story kicks off with the dismantling of this oil well and all of this equipment being gathered up and buried, all of this state-of-the-art, brand-new, unused equipment. So all of the workers are, you know, a little bit... uh miffed as to why this is happening but Corrigan is just like listen I'm the one responsible for this like just do what you're told uh so already right and we even had the sign as you're heading into town home of the world's well you know deepest or largest oil well so we already have this mystery building of like why would something like this be uh be dismantled uh and then like we talked about before we have the arrival of Lois and Clark and again just going back to this being the, you know, the, the, the first that anyone saw of what would become adventures of Superman, we don't do the origin, right? I mean, we'll eventually get the Superman all. on earth, but yeah, it's just like, it's just right into it, which do you think that's in any way due to the fact that the Kirk Allen serials had done the origin? Like, do you think that would have felt kind of like I have been there, done that on the big screen? I think it's a combination of things. If you consider that
1: Kirk Allen had done that, the radio show had done that, the Fleischer cartoons did it. Not the origin, but the opening, that whole opening narration of it. To me, it feels like it's kind of like what they did with Tom Holland as Spider-Man, right? We skipped the origin. We know he's been Spider-Man. We know why he's Spider-Man and how he became Spider-Man without seeing it. In this case, do we really need to see? It's kind of like why I'm grateful James Gunn's not doing a, an origin story with Legacy because we do not need to see Krypton blow up one more time. Uh, we all know that's how Superman got here. And I think even back then, Superman was such a phenomenon and people were so aware. The newspaper strip, the origin was very well established, I think, by 1951. So just my
0: opinion. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I I don't, uh, that's one thing. I don't look at this and long to have seen the origin depicted in this. It's like, no, I think it was cool to just, you just jump right into it and they're already established as working together and they have their dynamic and we're, you know, we're just into it. So no, I, I think that was, I think that was a good choice for this. Uh, and they're they're being brought over there by Craig. He's the publicity guy, and uh, he hasn't been told about uh, the dismantling of the operation, so he's put off. And uh, Lois and Clark meet Corrigan, and, and they try to get some information out of him, but Corrigan's very standoffish. Basically, like it's you know it's none of your business. Uh, I think all he is willing to share is how deep. Uh, they ultimately were yeah. able were were able to drill. And I have no frame. I'm completely ignorant when it comes to this. I have no frame of reference. So the six miles below, it's i, yeah, well, sure. okay. I, yeah, I don't okay.
1: <laughs> you say so. Okay.
0: <laughs> it's
1: the center of the earth. Okie dokie. <laughs> I have no idea.
0: Yeah. So, you know, Craig is like, oh, we'll put you up at the hotel in town on the company's expense. Blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry you didn't get your story. Uh, and and Clark's not ready to give up. He's like, well, there there might be a story here. So he clearly knows there's, there's more going on. Right. Uh, Anything else from that opening scene that stood out to you?
1: Just, just that I think it very effortlessly captures the relationship between Lois and Clark. I mean, you know what I mean? The back and forth a little bit, Uh, not necessarily the coward thing. She'll call him later on, but just really, again, it's that, it's that, Introducing these characters for the first time, and you believe you're looking at Lois Lane, you believe you're looking at Clark Kent, and that's a big deal. I think
0: it is. You know, that's the thing too. You have to give the two of them so much credit because they just slip into those characters from the jump. They feel there's a rapport between them. You feel like they know each other. Yeah. Right. Sorry to jump in, but no, yeah. no, no, no. I, I I agree totally. So yeah, it's 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 such a strong start for for the two of them as Lois and Clark. And you see that even more so in the next scene where we catch up with them in the hotel lobby at night and, uh, you know, Clark's down there and then Lois comes in and they have their back and forth. What I liked about this was, I feel like even just in this one scene, you got a lot of the different flavors of their dynamic. So they regard themselves, regard each other as peers with respect, uh, but there's also, you know, Clark decides he's gonna go, you know, take a ride, out there to kind of see what's she's going gonna on go with and she's going to go with him <laughs> so you have that so you, you know you gotta i feel like that that scene kind of encapsulated a lot of what we'll what we'll see of, again absent the whole cowardice bit but uh
1: <laughs> yeah, and, Cl- and lois also is not going to let clark get the story if there's a story to be had she is going to be part of it or she's going to take the lead on it one or the other so if there's even a hint that there's a story that clark could find out there she's certainly not going to let him go and do it <laughs>
0: And meanwhile, uh, poor Pop Shannon has has met his end while he's trying to enjoy uh, his, the oranges that right Craig had brought him the oranges. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the we you know we says as he's enjoying his oranges, we see two of these these beings. Do you think of them as mole men? Do you think of them as unknown people? Do you think of them by some other designation? How do you refer to them in your head?
1: I I think of them as mole men because that's what they were originally, and when they come out, and even. Again, you know, it's so funny because I never really thought about what I considered them until, like, you're asking me, and having just seen the movie and the two-part episode, I think Mole Man sounds good for, for what they are. I mean, I didn't know that was hair all over them. I just thought they were wearing free clothes or something. It didn't exactly look like hair uh, and bold caps.
0: Uh, but I did think of them as Mole Men. Is, is, is there – and again, I, maybe this is silly, but is there – because obviously they they don't call them mole men right in the tv version and it's called the unknown people is there right. derogatory association with with the, with that term or i mean why do you think they changed it that? that you know it's an interesting question i don't know i mean i mean it was maybe it
1: was but, you know that'd be an interesting thing to look up though maybe mole men was sort of a derogatory term and and they wanted to clean it up for tv this is my way of saying I don't know, but it's an intriguing question.
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't have an answer. I know, because as I was preparing to talk about this, I'm like, what well, should I? Should I not say moment? I mean, like that's the t- you know the title. I'm not aware of. of, of anything. <laughs> do you believe? Do you believe Anthony said moment? On yeah, I, know, I can't right? believe. You know. uh, but as far as the title, though, I meant to say this earlier. What's what's very cool and interesting, and it clearly makes sense when you watch the story unfold. This isn't. It's not called Superman versus the mole men it's not called superman versus the unknown people right it's it's and it's superman and the mole men right because they're not the antagonist in this story it's the it's the human mob that superman ultimately has to fight and not even physically right it's not so much that they're a physical challenge to him but it's more changing the hearts and minds it's it's really fairly sophisticated i feel like for what you would expect of something of the time what i found so interesting
1: and i'm sure we'll get into it as we do the scene by scene is the way that Superman responds to the gang and referring to them as Nazi stormtroopers and that sort of thing, and the gentleness in which he speaks to the moment. Yes. We're not going to harm you. We will not harm you. You know what I mean? It's just such an interesting contrast because you are seeing those two sides of Superman, but instead of Superman confronting an enemy with the tough bravado, he's confronting the humans who are acting like fools and being totally gentle with the aliens. So I found that interesting.
0: And going back to what you were saying before, but you heard from folks in your interviews about how there was this real paternal view of, of the yeah. George Reeves depiction of Superman. I, you Especially, and this is not the only instance, other times throughout the show, and even just in season one, it's not a ton of instances of this in season one, but when he, whenever he's interacting with a, a child, in particular a younger person, you really see that nurturing, compassionate side. Because he again, for the most part, <laughs> when he's mixing it up with the bad guys, he's, he's, oh, yeah. he's just tough and, and and kicking their asses. But when you see him have those moments to uh you know to show compassion towards a younger person or child, it, it just it, it comes right across. So for for the folks you interviewed who had that view of him, uh, you, you could definitely see in, in part where it comes from. And you know what I hadn't thought of until you just
1: brought it up is when he has those interactions and he gives that reassuring smile, because he has a very good, a very good smile, George Reeves does. It does remind me of that Christopher Reeve thing. I said, I believe this is your floor. Uh, when he's talking to Charlie, and he lights up his face, just being a a, a totally benevolent person. Uh, there is something just so charming that does suck you into his portrayal in those moments.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So by the time Lois and Clark make it back out to this this oil drilling operation, uh, poor Pop has has seen the mole men in the window and has suffered a heart attack brought about by Fright and has expired. I felt like, I don't mean to pick on Lois. I know she's seen some things, but I felt like she was like awfully nonchalant about this dead body on the ground. No? Yeah. Yeah, and also her reaction. Even though I understand she'd
1: scream, but she was like, What should have kicked in with Lois is she sees these guys in the window. Sure, scream. I get it. Startled you. But right away after that, what are they? Who are they? I want to know what this is. What's going on here? The investigative reporter, as tough as Lois Lane is, that's what we should have seen kick in. And maybe I'm putting too much on this 1951 movie, but that's what I thought would have been cooler to see Lois get over the initial shock and fear and suddenly become the reporter.
0: Yes, I know that would have been cool. I know. I yeah. feel like we're I don't want to say we're being greedy, but it's like when you think about how ahead of its time the show was in its depiction of Lois. I mean, how ahead of her time Lois yeah. was as a character generally. Absolutely. But, but in particular in Until the context, the 50s. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh but especially in this show and in this first season the Phyllis Coates version, she she was so ahead of her time, so it's like now it's like we want even more. But but no, I agree with you. I think it would have been cool to see more of more of that side come out, but uh, in any event, they call in the, uh, you know, the, the coroner and uh, Corrigan's there and Craig is there and they all leave except uh, Corrigan and Clark stays behind. And I love I love the swagger with which Reeves played Clark in that scene where after everyone clears out uh, and Corrigan's like lighting up a cigarette, Clark's like, you know why I stay behind, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, you wouldn't tell me before, but now Pop Shannon is dead. He's like, come on, what's the deal here? What's going on? Right. Uh, I just, I love the vibe of this, of that scene. And then the subsequent scene where, uh, where Corrigan lays everything out and explains there again, they've been, they've been digging deeper and deeper. Uh, and he's been examining the substances that, that, that he's been finding on the drill and, uh, you know, turns out the lights and you see that they're, they're glowing that they presumably have, have radium. It could be harmless phosphorescence, which Clark posits. And that ends up being true. We find out at the end of the episode, but the, the belief, the theory, the fear at this point is that, uh, whatever they're finding below uh is radioactive and deadly to humans and they also take a look at the microscope and they see living living organisms so now you know all the pieces are kind of starting to to fit together where okay there's there's life down below contrary to to what they had what they had previously believed um and so now these 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 beings that are being seen in town that Lois described uh it kind of lines up with this whole idea of oh there might really be something some sort of species down there right
1: absolutely and it's fascinating because again we're we're getting more into that sci-fi element of the movie you know where it's like okay not only have you got these little guys but you got now this whole idea of what else is down there what are these microbes you know what i mean what does it mean exactly so it's intriguing stuff
0: yeah uh, and then we head back to the the hotel lobby where luke benson now has has started to form his mob because now there was another instance where I think it was the Undertaker who saw saw these beings on the road and got spooked and, and crashed. Yes, right. Yes. And then when we catch up with the rest of them at the hotel, there are a couple of other people who have had run-ins with these people, uh, these unknown people, and have have essentially injured themselves out of you know out of out of fright. But everybody's getting riled up here, and this is where Clark, this a complete outsider, <laughs> just comes in. Tries to get them all to stand down, but I liked, you know, over the course of even just this scene, but even this entire story between Clark and Superman, you know, he makes various appeals to them, right? You know, his initial approach is, "Hey, like this could be dangerous. You guys need to wait, right?" And then the I think the arguments get 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 deeper and and uh, more I don't know philosophical about this whole idea of you know we interrupt we disturb their world right they haven't done anything to us we must be as as you know unusual to them as they are to us like that whole bit but he's really trying his best and and no one including lois (laughs) is having anything to do with it well you gotta love when clark says let me handle this and she looks
1: and she goes what are you gonna do (laughs) you know it's like he practically screams i'm superman like three times in this thing where you know what i mean where where it's uh she says something and he just suggests that he's Superman without and then pulls it back. He does it like two or three times. Finally, she should just look at him and say, "I know you're Superman." Knock it off.
0: There, and yeah. Him saying, "Let me handle it," is probably one of my one of my favorite moments of this entire thing. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's just yeah.
0: like all right, buddy. It's
1: great. Uh,
0: but yeah, no. To your point, there are a few instances where he has those those coy little lines, and one of them, again, this might just be in the theatrical version where. Uh, there's this discussion of, you know, Lois, you can't report on this. And I think she says, like, oh, what if Clark's already called the story in? And Superman's like, I'm quite sure he hasn't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait a minute. <laughs> How do you know? But yeah. Yeah. So, it's, uh, you know, for the most part, when it comes to the whole dual identity, we suspend our disbelief. It, it's par for the course well, with this. This show, you really have to suspend your disbelief
1: because – Clark carries himself like Superman without the costume and I always make the joke that if he was on the if Clark was on the phone inspector Henderson and if he took off his glasses to clean him or something in the middle of the conversation on the phone Henderson would go when did Superman get on the line I mean there's no difference <laughs> you know nothing to delineate the two of them from each other it's just so funny
0: I brought this up in the Czar of the underworld episode that we did recently but that's where you know Clark and Henderson go out to Hollywood, but then of course Superman appears, and at one point Superman walks into Henderson's hotel room, but Henderson has his back to the door, and Superman starts talking, and I thought it would have been such a great bit if he was like, "Oh, Kent, what are you? Oh, Superman," but they they didn't go right.
1: there. <laughs> no, nah, because they had a su- totally suspended disbelief. But yeah,
0: you know what I, I really appreciate though about this, because uh, because you know I'm not I don't I don't love the whole as much as I do enjoy the Christopher Reeve. Incarnation. I don't love the whole bumbling Clark masquerade sort of thing. You don't so. have
1: to do that, though. There's Brandon Routh did sort of a more balanced Clark Kent. I think between you know what I mean, yes. uh, without going as extreme as Reeve did. But.
0: but so I've I've so enjoyed the Reeves depiction, and what I think is particularly interesting in in the, the, what we're talking about here is that he tries to accomplish as much as he can as Clark, like once. Once all of this starts to unfold, it it could only it could it could just be a job for Superman, right? But he right. tries to do as much as he can as Clark, which I like. Like I really yeah. like that. I like that Superman isn't the the first resort; it's really the last resort, and that that holds true for all of these episodes that we're talking about. I mean, they're so Clark or Lois and Clark driven. Uh,
1: which well, I it's I like Incredible that. Hulk. You know, right? You bring in like the TV show, The Incredible Hulk he's Dr. Banner for 90% of the episode. And then he becomes the Hulk for the last, you know, 10 minutes or something. Superman is sort of the same thing on this show in that it's largely Clark. And then when it's absolutely necessary, it becomes Superman.
0: Yeah. Uh, While they're having their, their powwow in the hotel lobby, uh, the, the unknown people have uh, entered the home of, uh, of this family and the room of this little girl. And, you know, again, I think there are a lot of, a lot of, you know, sort of, uh, well constructed uh, bits here and statements about people <laughs> and humanity, where uh, you know this child is not frightened at all by right. by these people, right? And w- welcomes them in, them in, and they're playing catch and all of that. So it's it's again, it's all of these adults who are so quick to be frightened and to and to want to hunt and, and 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 resort to violence. So uh, again, I just think not, not to harp on this, but yeah, I just feel like it's um, more going on here than you than you like you would expect. Oh, absolutely. And it's well, the whole thing is filled with,
1: you know, messages, some bludgeoned and some subtle, but but that is, as I said earlier, the thing that appeals to me is the allegory on all these different levels that the that the film is depicting and the innocence of a child not being afraid of what's different and embracing, in fact, what's different. Something we grow out of, I guess, oftentimes as we get older. So I know I, I love that. I think that's great.
0: Yeah. I, I guess I guess the reason maybe I'm so struck by it is just that it would have been easy like it would have been an easier path i guess to to have a story about other beings invading a town and superman has to fight them off or something but they they went for something that was vastly more interesting and i really commend them for that uh so of course the mother of this little girl enters the room and just lets out this blood curdling shriek what i love is she walks in looking up too did you notice that she walks in the gun
1: and then she screams right but she first walks in like what the hell are you expecting on the ceiling that you walk into your daughter's room i don't understand
0: right don't both know. times i watched it i was like what is the deal with that
1: yeah oh uh, yeah it just cracked me up when i saw that it. it's like oh boy what a dramatic uh <laughs> <laughs> shift of
0: eye focus i always look at the ceiling when i walk into a room you never know what's up there it's like i guess you know they wanted the moment of her looking down and having that that realization but i think they just kind of overshot the mark i should have been looking
1: more like yeah, in the middle the of the bed, room see yeah. the empty bed and then shift to the floor where she's there her daughter's there with the little uh, aliens or moment
0: oh yeah comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics toys artwork and the joy they bring to people visit them in person at one of their three locations harrison new york which happens to be my local comic shop skokie illinois or muncie indiana If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join Aw Yeah! for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow Aw Yeah! on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Say it with me, Aw Yeah! Thank you to all members of my Patreon community for supporting this podcast. If you like what you hear and are not a member yet please consider signing up today at patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato. We offer a variety of monthly reward tiers and discounted annual memberships are available too. Beginning at the $1 level, you can listen to Digging for Justice, my exclusive DC movie rewatch podcast. Click the link in the show notes for more. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast goes a long way and only takes a second. You're also welcome to join the conversation on social media via the links in the show notes. Last but not least, we are an affiliate of BCW Supplies, so the next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. That's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions. It helps support the show too. Thank you. I know. So the mob is off. And then this is where Clark ducks out. And this is the first instance where Lois is like, oh, like, you know, that didn't go your way. And now you know yeah, you're right right. off. Uh, but this mob, I mean, they're out for blood. The I think my favorite bit is the guy ripping the the barber uh the barber know, shop. What are you do with that, uh, yeah. yeah,
1: that cracked me up. <laughs> the barbershop pole, right? The one against the wall. He's like, I got this, let's go. It's like the guys in Superman too, right? They're, they beat up Superman. Let's get him. I got a newspaper, let's go, you know. <laughs> go chasing them down with a newspaper.
0: So Yeah. Uh, And then look, Superman intervenes and he gets, he gets between the mob and the house and makes short work of Benson's gun, his rifle in particular quickly bends it. I mean, you know, going back to what I was saying before, maybe, maybe a reason why Clark doesn't resort to Superman right away. Superman's presence doesn't seem to sway them much, right? It's, it's only once. Even
1: when they've seen him bend the gun and get shot at and just stand there we're going to lynch you next. You really think so? You know? (laughs) It's like, I don't understand how it has no impact on them at all. That's so strange.
0: Right? I know. Hatred just blinds them to what's obvious in front of them, I guess. I don't know. Look, I'll make maybe a somewhat controversial argument. Obviously, Luke Benson and the mob, they're they're our our villain of the piece, our antagonist. And uh, eventually, by the time we get to the end, Benson comes around, at least on Superman. I still question what he would do if he saw one of these, one of these underground beings in the future. His coming around would last about 12 minutes
1: and then go back to being Luke Benson.
0: Yes. Yeah. So obviously I'm on the side of Superman and, and not a bloodthirsty mob. But what I, one thing that I did appreciate as I was watching this is that, you know, giving giving the story and the characters they're due, looking at it from the perspective of these townspeople, it's like, it's all these outsiders, from their perspective, right? It's the oil company coming in. And they one of them, I think Benson makes a remark about that at one point, about all like, oh, those oil people. So you've got the oil company yeah. coming in. You've got Lois and Clark coming in. You've got Superman coming in. You've got the, these unknown people invading. Right. And even if maybe people could just kind of relax and not <laughs> freak out <laughs> at the first sight of them, uh, you know, people are getting hurt and killed at, at the sight of these beings. So- you know, to an extent, you do understand wh- where they're coming from. It's not like, totally irrational. Like, what is the problem? Like, what, like, why are they doing this? Like, you do understand to a point. Obviously, they take it too far, but I appreciated that. It's like, okay, you do get what what this is all about for them. But to them, this
1: could have been anything. This could have been any outside force. Almost looking for an excuse, they were so quick to round up the dogs and start talking about lynching.
0: Wow, well, that's and true. And have
1: their weapons and all. They, I, they hit me as the kind of people that's like, you know, our town is fine, but we're going to do whatever we have to do to protect it from outsiders. And that outsider could have been anything. It didn't have to be a mole man for them to, they were too quick with the lynchings and everything else to, uh, uh, to make it feel like this is an isolated incident with these guys.
0: No, that's a good point. Again, to be clear, I'm not on the side of them, but it was just... <laughs> no, 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 I'm no, no,
1: saying so you are, but
0: no, but I just want to
1: say that, that, that again, they were too prepared, uh, for action.
0: Yeah, I know those those hounds right there. Oh my god, they were ready to go.
1: Yep. Uh, Why don't you just let the Why are you going to burn them in there? Let's let the hounds
0: get them. Oh my god, (laughs) it's like let the hounds eat them, basically kill them. So anyway, yeah. And you know, Luke Benson. Is what is his investment in all of this? I mean, it really is just that angry. Angry, ringleader, redneck
1: attitude. Basically, you know the the uh, it's our town and we're going to run it the way we want. He doesn't listen to the sheriff at all. Punches the we'll sheriff later. But punches the sheriff. Right. It's like Salute so Benson doesn't care about anything except his own sense of power or something over these people. You know, and that he can whip them all together. They all listen to everything he says.
0: I know. Hmm. Sounds like a political figure. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean, look, that's the thing. You know, you watch this and you think, okay, a lot of this really rings true, you know, sadly, yeah. right. It's not like you watch yeah. this and you think, gee, people wouldn't do that. You watch it and you think, no, nope, people would exactly do that. I mean, look, yeah. I, I I know I'm jumping ahead here, but the scene later outside the hospital where Superman says to them, you've shown you can't be trusted with guns. So I'm going to take them from you. Right. Oh, fascinating. And you know, we, we've, I know, digging for kryptonite in particular we've talked about this whole idea of you know if superman were real it's like well what what should he do with his powers how far should he go and you think about the george reeves incarnation of the character in a real world scenario in the world we live in where we have the the we've seen the, the results of, of of gun violence sadly far, oh, far too many times and it's like this whole idea of like well you can't be trusted with this. like i'm gonna take them i mean again a. Uh, I guess maybe a more grounded version of the Superman Four rounding up the nuclear weapons. But- right, I thought that
1: when actually you can't be trusted. I exactly thought of that scene in Superman Four where he starts scooping up the nuclear weapons and, and and doing it. I don't know, but I'm not saying Superman should fly all over the world taking confiscating guns, but in a mob situation where Lois Lane, which we'll get to, almost gets shot, uh, yeah, he's he's going to take those guns, and and I wish we'd seen a little more of that because it cuts. You know, as he starts like wrestling with the guys and throwing them aside, I would like to have seen more of that. But they didn't have the budget, uh, I have to fill it in with my mind.
0: But I know it was it was a great scene. But yeah, yeah. I mean, earlier in in the story where we are, you know, he gets the mob to stand down for for the instant, but the the dogs have gotten the scent, uh, and then later they'll track down the mole men to the top of that dam. And Superman again uh, arrives and try to and tries to appeal to them, right? Explains that they could be radioactive. Don't shoot them; right. they could fall into the water, contaminate your water supply. Again, all of these reasons. That it's like you guys need to relax. And right. uh, again, they won't listen. They won't listen. Uh, and and one of the, uh, you know, mob 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 members uh, actually gets a shot off and hits and hits one of the moment, and then we get which is one of the strangest moments i have to just go go go
1: for it where the two guys first of all lay down on the top of the thing so awkwardly and i know it's the staging or whatever it is and then the gunshot goes off you hear this blood-curdling scream you don't see the mole man's mouth open you just hear this blood-curdling scream as he falls just very strangely staged all of it but
0: dramatic and that's when we get to the tv version that's where we have the break and the to be continued when when we're at the dam but so now, as we're talking about it, we're in the second half of the story, and uh, and we get this mid-air catch. Superman catches the, the 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 Mole Man as he's falling, and I I did pause it, and there's that brief frame where it's it's clearly it's animation, animation. Right? yeah, yeah,
1: and then he's got a obviously a dummy in his hands because the thing flops all over the place. <laughs>
0: But it's the animation part, of course, calls to mind the Kirk Allen serials where whenever he flew, it was animation. Of course, that was one of the big innovations and advancements and improvements for the George Reeves show where you actually saw him flying. And that made such a that made such a difference. uh, Oh, and seeing him
1: like leap up, I guess, pulled up on wires, whatever it was when he takes off, looked very cool. I know he got injured doing it. And that was the end of that. But it was pretty cool looking, I have to say.
0: I know for this brief, for this brief moment where they were still utilizing that technique. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was cool to, I mean, look, I'm on board with what they ultimately went with, with the springboard and the sure. the bar that he would swing in on, that's all fine. But yeah, to have these instances in this where he just takes off, uh, you know, while he's standing there with them, that was cool. And yeah, the midair yeah. save look throughout this entire first season, anytime this has come up, I've never, I never had any issue with the. Again, the limitations of the budget or the technology. Like I, I'm always appreciative of what they were able to accomplish with what they had. We accept what they can do. Yeah. So uh, you know it it, it definitely works. Uh, so he you know he catches the one who's been shot and we'll bring him to the hospital. And uh, then we get again in the theatrical version it goes on longer and the TV version they trimmed it a bit. But this this long chase right as the mob and the dogs are going after uh, the the other one uh, the other mole man right. who who had survived and they ultimately. Uh, he ultimately runs into the shed uh, that they barricade him in and, and set on fire. It was quite the inferno. This was a kid's movie. <laughs> you know? I it's know. like shocking, yeah.
1: Very strange.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, I know, it was very intense. Of course, he's able to make his way out. But just as a side note, uh, at, at the moment, uh, with my, my mother-in-law is staying with us for a couple of days, and she brought her dog. And, and her dog, whenever she sees dogs on the television screen, goes nuts. And mm-hmm. so I was watching this twice last night and it was late and she was mostly asleep. Uh, and whenever those dogs were barking, like, I turned the volume down as low as possible because it's like I didn't want her to wake up the whole house barking at the TV. Uh, thankfully, uh, it, it, it was fine. But
1: uh. Mine, uh, t- today I watched him during the day, both of them. The first time, second time he ignored it completely. But the first time it went on, the dogs are barking. He just pops his head up from his pillow and just does one of those... <laughs> you know, and staring at these dogs but just watching the TV with these dogs running around so anyway more than anybody needed to know but they are
0: but no look I mean as far as all this talk of lynching of stringing them up they use that term yeah. as well uh again lighting them on fire I mean it's really you know there's you see the the, the ugliness of humanity on on full display uh throughout this as far as the the mole men or the unknown people themselves what what did you think about the visual representation did you like the way uh they they were brought to life did you feel it fit in terms of what what they were going for in the story
1: i like look i i recognize the limitations they had with the budget and everything i mean again like you i'm very appreciative of what they had to work with and and all that especially when you consider the fact that they had a whole tv series behind them that might not have made a dime uh I think the look was okay. What I didn't like was a lot of the staging. Like when the guys are chasing the Mole Man into into the shed, he does that long dramatic pause and he puts his hand on his heart. And he's just like, those were the things that kind of bothered me. Uh, I thought the acting actually was pretty good. Sort of this otherworldly movements they had. I thought that was really interesting uh, the thing on the dam, like I said, I don't know what they were going for there. That, but that's I blame more on Lee Sholem than anybody else. It's like, yeah, let's uh, lay down on the top of the dam or whatever. But I think there was an otherworldliness to them that, in a low budget sort of way, that was still conveyed, even though they were limited. Uh, I like the look. I mean, I thought it was. I thought it was actually pretty creative. You know, I mean, maybe so you could have done more with the face, but I, I say that. But you know what? I never had an issue with that. I always watched the episodes and thought they were creepy and and effective for what they were supposed to be.
0: No, same. I think it works. And, and again, especially in this context, this idea of, they are of earth, just, you know, deep <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> deep earth that we've never seen before. So yeah, no, I thought it were, I thought they were cute. And, and there are a number of instances where it's like, oh, like you know, it's uh, again, you feel you feel for them. And that's why, of course, well, they're, just, they're playing with the little girl, rolling the ball back and forth. They're so fascinated
1: by her and this little ball and rolling it. And it is an innocence. Again, the innocence of her accepting them and the innocence of them experiencing sort of the nicest moment they've had since they came up to the surface.
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so I think it's at this point where we actually go to the hospital and the, uh, the the man in charge right wants nothing to do with this patient who's been who's been yeah. brought in, and uh, yeah, it's it's a you know you feel Clark's frustration in the scene. He even says he's like, well, the, you know, this, he, this person's injured. It's like you would you would do more for a dog, like you know you would you wouldn't turn a dog away, right? Who were. Who, you know, who, who were injured. Um, But again, this guy is not hearing any of it. And he's like, you know, I don't want to, by the time I come back in the morning, like, I don't want, you know, to see anything. to. There'll do be trouble. This. Yeah. <laughs>
1: he says, There'll be trouble if he's still here.
0: Right. Yeah. And the nurse similarly wants no part of this. So not- she was terrible. Her acting was
1: Awful in that scene. Oh my. Oh, I don't know if you should do that. Oh my God, it just drove me crazy. Anyway,
0: <laughs> sorry no. to pick on
1: this woman. You know, fifty years later or whatever it is. But
0: no fair enough. So naturally, so naturally, Clark Kent will assist the surgery. <laughs> of course, of course he right. will. He's Clark Kent. It's Clark Kent. Uh, He's not afraid of the radiation. What? uh You know, he has that great after the the. You know the, the head guy leaves and he's like the milk. What does he say? The milk of human kindness? Sarcastic? Yes, that's a great
1: line though. It's it's really nice. I mean, that's a really solid,
0: uh, yeah, solid line. No, that was great. The doctor who who agrees to try to get the bullet out, right? Yeah. Uh, we see him in this scene and then and then later on as well. Uh, and Clark Clark speaks highly of him later, where he's like, you know, a man, that's a man with courage right yeah. um and and he does have courage right he's been he's been told to stand down but no he's he's going to help uh they don't give us a lot here with this character so i am speculating a little bit but did you feel like to me it didn't feel like his efforts were coming from a place of i have to help like there's there's a life at stake here and i have oh, to protect no, it it he was seemed much more, more surface
1: it was but it was also very surface <laughs> performance of I'll need help. I'll give it to you. Okay, let's go do it. You know, there was never a, like I'm dealing with this otherworldly thing. What does it mean? What does it mean to operate on this creature? You know? Um, yeah, you never got any sense of that, I felt. I thought it was a very generic doctor. <laughs> you know? Yes. Like the doctor with a heart of gold. I'm going to do the right thing. But you never got any sense of a real person there. I felt anyway.
0: No, because even later on when they come out of the surgery, I think he's more fascinated by how similarly- the mole man's physiology aligns with, but at least with, that
1: was a little enthusiasm. That yes. was a little, you know what I mean? Like fascination that I liked actually. That was the moment where he, I did like him before that. It was very functuary. You know, it's just like, let's, you know, okay, let's do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. He came out like, all like, Oh, it's amazing. It's like, it's inside are like ours, and it's got this and that and this. I, I liked that moment. Actually. That was probably his best moment. I think. Yes.
0: I, and I guess to all things considered, right, it's all relative. So compared to the rest of this town, this guy's a saint. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Maybe we're That's asking right. too Nobody much. Else of else would have done it. I know. Yeah. Maybe we're asking too much of him. Uh, I Possibly. also I also love how Clark Kent just, man, it's like he's just forever in that suit. It's like he went, he performed, he assisted a surgery with the with gown over him, but the full suit underneath they didn't take off his jacket. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't even realize that. I didn't realize that. You might think if you were gonna you were gonna assist a surgery, maybe you would you would you would kick off your jacket, maybe roll up your sleeves a little bit. But it's all right. That's a very good point. Certainly, your jacket would come off. <laughs> yeah, if nothing
1: else. What's under your shirt, there, Mr. Kent? Uh, you know, anyway. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's true. It does have that going <laughs> yeah. on, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. So we had that. Uh, then there's a short scene where uh, Benson shows up at the sheriff's station, and they have their their face off there, and he learns that. Uh, the, there, there was, you know, the, the one mole man survived the gunshot has been brought to the hospital. And so they head off there and we get the, that thing, that's where we get the scene of him clocking the sheriff later outside. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we get the scene that we've already talked about, but we can, we can we, we talk about it more if there's anything we, we, uh, we didn't get into yet where, uh, we have the mob outside the hospital with just Superman standing between them. Uh, I guess previous to that, Lois and the others had come inside and now, and now we're outside with, uh, you know, with the mob. And, and again, this is where he he compares them to Nazi stormtroopers. Yeah, which back then, that's 1951.
1: So that's really close to World War II. I mean, uh, so I'm sure that had a heavy, uh, uh a mo- that's a heavy moment when you hear that because it's so close, I think. Although the audience might have applauded, who knows at the time, you know uh but you get that and i hope i'm not jumping ahead but it is that scene where somebody takes a shot and almost gets lois yeah and that's probably one of my favorite scenes of the thing he doesn't flinch he pushes her aside right before the bullet hits the glass which is very cool and says get inside right and whoever shot that gun you know that's where he says i'm going to take them away from you it is such to me is such a strong superman moment and i love the fact that he I don't know why, but the fact that he saved Lois that way, just by pushing her aside, and then the bullet hits—I just thought that was a cool Superman moment, if nothing else. Yes,
0: no, it was—it was—it was terrific. I mean, you know, we're, we're nearing the end here, but throughout this episode, I think to see Superman stand up for the the other, the outsider, mm-hmm. right, and to articulate his position uh, as far as. Again, we invaded their world. We must be as strange to them as they are to us. They've done nothing to harm us. Uh, even going back to that lobby scene as, as Clark, we, you know, we, you, see, you see, you know, the, the townspeople who've been injured after seeing them. It's like, don't you see? Like, this is, this all happened because you were afraid. Uh, right. So, you know, to see, to see Clark and Superman uh, defend the mole men uh, and, and articulate these these arguments, you know, I mean, I have to imagine, especially for young people who are watching this, I would have to imagine that this hadn't, I would hope that it would have, (laughs) have an impact. uh, and certainly convey who this character, you know, we always talk about Superman is, is for everyone. uh, And I think this, this whole story just beautifully encapsulates that.
1: Well, you know, it's also interesting in that I don't think by that time in the character's history, they had really locked down on the notion that Superman is who he is because of the way he was raised by Jonathan and Martha. I don't think it had done by 1950, that they, had, where it became much later on, it became like that's their moral, in, you know, in, what they encoded in him, moral wise, is what makes him the man he is. And yet in this movie, you do get a sense of the morality of Superman. I mean, of not just the guy with superpowers is going to kick your ass if you don't do the right thing, but he does have a worldview that is so obviously different from the mob from so many people. And I found that intriguing for so early in the character's history to get that sense rather than him just being the guy stopping, you know, in the early comics, right? Like wife beaters and, and, and slum Lords and things like that. Somebody who was already stepping into that role as, as the
0: most human among us, basically. Yes. you know, so. Beauti- Beautifully said. Uh, so again, we already talked about how he, he disarms, the crowd, and yes, we fade away from that scene fairly quickly. But uh, you know, clearly, again, from a physical standpoint, these people are not posing, you know, any any real threat to him. But you know, for him to go that far to be like, no, I'm taking your guns, uh, I, again, especially just in light of where we are in the world today, it was particularly fascinating to see to see that scene and to wonder what the George Reeves Superman would do in in today's world. You oh know? yeah, so. absolutely,
1: he's definitely be tougher than a lot of the other ones that way. I mean, uh, and you know, of course in today's effects, of course he would have zipped around that, that crowd at super speed <laughs> he's, you know, crushing those guns and they'd be popping and exploding and stuff as he'd be grabbing them and smashing them. But anyway, you
0: know, he walks slowly through anything. the crowd. He I know He does. He
1: just takes them one at <laughs> a time basically. Yep.
0: Yeah. No, it was, it was great though. Uh, and then meanwhile, the, the surviving mole man made his way back down and now he's emerged with two others, uh, with this weapon. What, what did you think of the, this, this device that they brought back with them?
1: I always thought even as a kid I always thought it was cool looking like a cool sci-fi weapon and was shocked to discover it was an electro va- electro sucks I think or whatever it is a vacuum cleaner which just had a few you know additions put onto it but basically it's a vacuum cleaner. Uh but it looked pretty cool. I mean the effect itself of blasting was, eh, was really not very good but I guess for it's time it's okay. But the weapon itself was was pretty cool I thought.
0: Yeah. I think I feel like it holds up. And we get this scene there where one of the one of the mob members sees sees them in the street goes and tells luke luke goes off and they blast him with this gun and he's pinned against the wall and he's clearly in pain and then superman arrives and intervenes and places himself in between this weapon and luke benson right the chief antagonist of our right. story here and clearly that has an effect on luke benson like we said i don't know that he's really had a true Change of heart, a true come to Jesus moment, but momentary. But at if least, nothing else. at least for the moment, if nothing else, because he explicitly says it, he says to Superman, he's "Like you saved me, right?" Like this, and the implication, of course, like after everything I've done, you still right. saved me, and that you know that's the other thing too. When we talk about what Superman in the moment says about Superman and what it conveys, it's like yes, it's that he stands up for. um I mean, for the, for the oppressed, but you know, he stands up for the outsider, stands up for someone who's being bullied, being persecuted. Um, but he also values all life. So even those who have gone against him, right. He will still protect and defend. And I think that was such an important moment too. But, and this is where, again, just like, I don't know if this was in the script, in the direction or a choice by George Reeves, but when Benson is like, you know, you, you, you save me, he doesn't. Superman doesn't even look at him but he's like it's more than you deserve but he doesn't turn oh to look God, at him. it it was great so though. good
1: yeah. <laughs> it really was because it's like look you don't deserve this but I'm not going to let you die I mean I'm just again it's not what I do uh, it was it was great it's more than you deserve and right he just walks straight ahead towards the moment and uh, leaves it well I don't get one thing about that scene though by the way when, when Luke does decide to get you know f- confront them he tells everybody else all right wait here why? You brought them everywhere else. You went to the bathroom before. You had them all pile into the bed. and no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, it was kind of like that. It's like he brought them everywhere. Suddenly it's like, all right, you stay here, and I'm going to take care of this by myself. Three of them. Not one. Three of them. And he's going to leave the mob behind. I didn't understand that. It's very odd to me.
0: Yeah, that was – I mean, I'm assuming it was – Know, they were filming that confrontation on a different day and they couldn't have everybody there but it's in in terms of the story it doesn't make any sense it's like why yeah. why well, I don't know I know I thought the same thing too why like, is
1: there no mob mentality right now I don't understand
0: right yeah it's like this is the time <laughs> this
1: is like, this yeah. is your time to shine <laughs> mob. three of them right
0: yeah but then this is where we get what you were talking about before it's just that compassion when you see Superman yeah. talking talking to them and so see,
1: gently to them.
0: Yeah, it's the and that's what you know, we talk about I think why the, the this show works and why I, I love the incarnation this George Reeves incarnation of Superman so much and why it resonated with this whole generation. Um you know, it's one thing that he's so tough. I love that aspect of, of his Clark yeah. and his Superman, that, that that toughness, but it but it's balanced out by that by that gentleness, by that compassion. Uh, and, and I think that goes such a long way. And yes, that's on full display in the scene. And you see the moment communicating, you know, through their gestures as 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 they can, right? As one of them explains. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Superman
1: caught him. They got shot and he caught him.
0: Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's interesting not to get too deep into this, but it's like the moment they don't seem to have. I mean, that's the only thing we see as far as their their means of communicating with each other is yeah. others gestures. They don't see other than the scream, like they don't seem to make any any, any sounds or no, or,
1: yeah. maybe they didn't want to come up with a language for them. So they decided to make them be silent. silent and this yeah. way, uh, <laughs> you know, and then just sign those you know, pantomime, uh, what's going on. I don't know, but That's it's, uh, you know, it's interesting that you, you know, the thing you brought up about Luke, uh, where Superman stands between him and the Ray gun, basically like, it's so interesting how certain things carry over. Do you watch my adventures with Superman? Have you been watching the show?
0: Yes, I am a few episodes okay. behind though. I've only seen the first few, but I, I, I don't love, love what I saw. this is a
1: major spoiler. I it's hope fine. it's not. It's fine. Uh, but there's a bit where a machine is firing these weapons at Lois and Superman jumps in front. And when it does, it's ripping open his shirt. He's not wearing the costume, but it's ripping open his shirt and exposing his chest. And he'll be standing there. And she says to him, you didn't know you were bullet you know, that you were going to be immune to the bullets. And his resp- and he got weakened because they were special bullets. And he just says over his shoulder to her, he goes, I knew you weren't. And that's why he dove in front of the bullets, right? Because I mean, he would have done that for anybody. I mean, he would have done that for any human. Just happened to be Lois in this case. That's sort of the same thing with Luke uh, uh, Benson. In this, is he's he's jumping in front of the thing because he's not bulletproof. He knows the guy can't take it. I don't know what's going to do to me, but I'm still going to jump in front of it on the off chance I'll be okay.
0: No, no, that's a great point. I'm glad you. I need to catch up on that. I will.
1: Uh, so but, good
0: but no i'm I'm glad you brought that up because no that's that is a great point right this is an unknown just like the unknown people it's an unknown weapon right so he doesn't yeah. know what this is going to do but he's still willing to put himself in between that and luke benson who by any account would deserve whatever is coming his way absolutely yeah. Uh, so yeah no it's, it's it's great and although you know the next scene then superman goes to the hospital and he gets the 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 patient to bring back to them and he's you know he's so convinced he's like you know i you know, if we, if we give him back to them, they'll go and they'll leave us alone.
1: <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> that, <all right. laughs>
1: that's his optimistic view, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
1: I did like though, when they were struggling with the the patient, when he comes over and scoops them up and carries him back to the, yes, the hole, it's himself. I thought that was kind of cool. But.
0: Yeah. And it's just little things like when they're all, when Superman in the moment are walking off together and he's carrying the patient and it's just like, we go back to tying this all full circle right the, the just the presence he's not flying he's not doing like he's just walking and it's just yeah. like it's like oh superman is there right and he does with the cape flapping as he walks yeah. the wind blows the cape i love it i mean this
1: is see this is where i'm the little boy again right watching this thing in the, today uh i'm watching it and when the cape started flapping and he's carrying the guy I, the mole man i was just like i was just smiling it was just such a great great moment for me you know, enjoying it just reminds me of why I love this character so much. Yes, a cape flapping reminded me of that. I don't know why it just did. The whole
0: image, nah, it's beautiful. I, look, I mean, I watched this. I mean, before preparing for this episode, I watched Superman: in The Moment or The Unknown People at least once, maybe twice, and then I watched it mm. twice in preparation. And the last viewing, more than any other, uh, I just I really got caught up in it, and I really was I. On, more on board with it than i ever had been before and enjoyed it more yeah. than i ever had uh so yeah no it's it's so strong and then that leads to our final scene which we had alluded to earlier where uh the the moment return and after they they go back underground they fire that beam up right to destroy uh the the drill or just a well, larger or installation yeah uh, yeah. basically which which I appreciated because it's like, okay, like they'll that, like that's the end of this, right? We're not <laughs> it's no there are no return appearances. This accounts for why you don't see them again or anything like that. Um but yes, we do get that, you know, a somewhat clumsy, awkward uh final line from Lois. And Lois has the last line. All Superman does is go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't understand that. You know, I know. Now you know two weeks later the military came in, they dug it open <laughs> again, and they did an invasion into the underground to uh discover what's down there but anyway
0: i know there's a i was looking on the jim knoltz adventures continue website and yeah there i guess from the he has the original script and there was uh another scene that was intended to follow that where lois and clark and craig are driving out of town and lois is saying something like oh clark you won't believe what you missed or like something like that uh and then i think as they're as they're leaving like if i'm remembering this correctly and forgive me audience if i'm not but i think craig stops the car and he and he picks up a handful of dirt and, like throws it at the sign that says you know welcome to Sylby, silby home of the world's largest oil well or something like oh, that. that's interesting yeah i mean i you know i'd
1: rather end on superman and lois than uh, than that to tell you the truth i think i may not have liked the delivery of the line and superman just nodding his head but that was a good at least image the visual of the two of them there, with the flames sort of reflected on them, uh, I thought that was pretty good.
0: I, uh, I now I agree. Uh, you know, we had mentioned we were talking earlier about again suspension of disbelief with the dual identity, and yes, it's always a stretch. It's always a stretch when we're talking about this, but especially in the context of the show. But especially in episodes like this, and rescue or the deserted village when they're when Lois and Clark are out of town. Uh, and Superman shows up. <laughs> I feel like that always. Whenever oh,
1: Superman's in Niagara Falls. Superman too, right? Oh, interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know we go yeah, with it. You do it but... all the
1: time. Yeah. You have to go with it. I mean, if if you, you that's the one thing you cannot question too strongly, or the whole thing falls apart. You either believe or you don't, and that and that's really what it comes down to. It.
0: Before we So the last thing I'm going to have us do is give our rating. So at the end of every episode, we rate what we've watched on a scale of one to five fedoras. So let that marinate how many fedoras you would give Superman and the moment. But in the okay. meantime, is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you wanted to? Oh, God, I can't imagine
1: so. I mean, we have this thing scene by scene. And uh, no, it's just it's a, it's I think for what it is, it has aged very well in a lot of ways. I'm not talking about effects per se, but in terms of what it is and what it was trying to do, I think it's aged very well. And it was really a pleasure watching it again. I haven't seen it in years. So watching it again today for me was was really, it was engaging. I mean, I don't always, yes, I'll always be engaged by watching Superman, but to watch an episode from 1951 or a movie from 1951 and get so sucked in so easily that's really was my takeaway. And it's like, that's, that speaks a lot about the quality of the, of the film.
0: No, I hear you. I think again, my, my opinion of it improved a lot. Not that I was down on it, but it it really improved a lot. And at the end of the day, do I gravitate more towards the, you know, kind of short film crime dramas of the rest of the first season? Yes. Mm. But again, I do think as far as just conveying the morality and the overall philosophy of Superman, this this story really accomplishes a lot. Yeah. And so I, I really came away appreciating it in a way that I hadn't before. So on a scale of one to five, Fedoras, how many would you give uh, Superman in the moment? I would, I mean, because I have to consider what I consider great. Like, Superman the movie is going to be five, right? So I, I have to go. Well, I no, go within with the it. context of just of Adventures of Superman.
1: Oh, Adventures of Superman. Oh, well, in that case, I mean... I would probably go four, four four and a half with this just because I really love this movie. And it, in so many ways it embodies Superman. It really embodies the character of Superman in ways that the show itself doesn't, that the series doesn't a lot of times he shows up to deal with the problems. He shows up to, you know what I mean? It's like, and they, yeah, there's some cool episodes. Don't get me wrong. You know, um, of course now I don't remember any of the names of them, but, uh, there's some very cool episodes and, uh, through the course of the show but in this one it's more than him just showing up to be the hero he's playing this active role in trying to change people's minds in saving the lives of these strange creatures and and conveying what we should all be feeling towards other beings that are different from us or anybody who's different than us right so yeah, so I would give it definitely. Uh, I would have to say I don't know if it's perfect or not, but I'd say I'd say four fedoras if you're just basing it on Adventures of Superman.
0: Well said. I, I would go with four as well. Uh, a solid, mm. a strong four. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I really, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I mean, again, on paper, the whole idea of of subterranean beings who emerge that doesn't necessarily grab me, but yeah, the way that uh, the way that that Clark and Superman are challenged in this and. Yeah the position they take, what they articulate and, and what it ultimately says about the character really goes a long way. So listen, thank you so much. This was really, I'm glad we were able to connect. We knew we were going to have you on at some point. I'm glad it ended up yeah. being for this. This, this felt Yeah, me too. This is the one. Yep. This uh, is the one for me. So we had mentioned, of course, your book Voices from Krypton. I hope everyone will go and check that out. Uh, what else would you like to direct people toward?
1: Oh geez. I mean, the book is the main thing right now. Uh, I've also got on. I, I've got a comic, a Superman parody comic that I do online called Fleischer, and right now I'm doing an un, unfolding comic strip called Fleischer and the Wonderful Wizard of Oz, uh, which is a rewrite of L. Frank Baum's first Oz novel. I took Dorothy out, put Fleischer in, and I'm rewriting as appropriate. So it's a novel and a comic strip, and it can be found on webtoons. Um, yeah. And at Fleischerverse.com. Yeah, that's grandiose. But yeah, that's uh, that's my sort of main thing. Outside of the books, I do these things for escapism and, and just fun. And whether or not it takes off, who knows? But check it out. You might enjoy it.
0: Very cool. And if they want to kind of follow you, do you want to give a social media handle or website?
1: Sure. Uh, I mean, I have a website, actually. This is the best place. It's uh, edgrosswriter.com. Uh, only recently launched probably about six months ago. And I just go on there to do my musings and and news about me or books I'm writing and that sort of thing. But yeah, that's probably the best place.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you. I really enjoy this conversation a lot. I appreciate you taking the time audience. Thank you for joining us for this episode and for all of our season one coverage. I really, really do appreciate it. Again, we'll be back with season two later in 2024. So stay tuned. Make sure, make sure you are subscribed via your audio podcast platform of choice. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Connect on social media. You can follow Digging for Kryptonite, which is our parent podcast. Follow Digging for Kryptonite on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can join the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network on Facebook if you like. Uh, If you want to shoot me an email with any comments or questions, flat productions at gmail.com. And uh, I look forward to continuing our exploration of Adventures of Superman with Season 2 in 2024. Until then, I do encourage you, please check out my other podcast, Digging for Kryptonite. We cover Superman across time and media. So if you are truly squarely focused uh, just on Adventures of Superman, I understand. But if you enjoy Superman generally and you want to hear conversations about other stories through the years, I hope you will check that out. Uh, And again, I look forward to beginning our season two coverage next year. Until then, adventures await. This show is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network. Home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in The Adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review today. Sign up at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato for additional content. Thank you all.